Hello, my name is Alex Bellinger, and this is Small Biz Pod on Thursday, the 21st of July. Coming up in today's show, I have an interview with Erica Watson, who is Chief Executive of Prowess, which is an organization that helps and supports women who are looking to start and run their own businesses. I also uh, have some comments and thoughts from two young female entrepreneurs themselves on the challenges that they have faced as they've set out on the entrepreneurial path. And of course, we have the usual mix of news, views and comments from around the world of small business and enterprise. But first, I've got quite a lot of uh, comments to, to get through. So thank you very much to all of those people who were kind enough to comment on the last show. Uh, do keep them coming. I really do appreciate feedback, as I'm continually saying. Uh, but it also gives us a chance to uh, discuss some themes, uh, to, to look at other content for the show, and generally to, to open up a debate. And I really, for all those listeners out there, new and old alike, um, if you've got anything that you'd like to say, whether it's complimentary or, or negative, I'm quite happy to hear um, constructive criticism about the show, uh, things that you'd like to see that I'm not covering or things that you'd like to see me stop doing that I am covering. Um, whatever you like, um, it's always great to hear from you. So uh, do pop along to the Small Biz Pod blog, um, leave comments there, or just send me an email at alex at smallbizpod.co.uk. So, moving on to uh, comments that were left on the Small Biz Pod blog uh, just this last week or so. Uh, another comment from Mike Sharp, who says, uh, Great show again, Alex. And no, I really do like the music. I, I think I was a bit doubtful that Mike uh, really liked the uh, the hard techno music that I played in uh, one of the recent shows. But um, but he, do- he does like it, so he's a man after my own heart. So good on you, Mike. And uh, I'm pleased you're enjoying my musical selections at the end of the show. Um, he also asked for some tips on getting going with podcasting as um, he's interested in uh, possibly establishing a, a podcast on uh, his book review blog, which I, th- I actually think would be a, a really, really terrific podcast to listen to. So, uh, Mike, I know I've not uh, fed through any hints and tips beyond some basic information, but I will do. And I definitely think you should, you should pursue that because I think it would be a really, really uh, entertaining and interesting uh, podcast to listen to. So uh, look out for that once um, Mike gets it underway. Now, I also had uh, an email from uh, Gordon in Taiwan. Now, Gordon's a a Brit working out there. Uh, He says, enjoy listening to the shows, Alex, which I've just discovered. Keep up the good work. So thanks very much for that. Um, P.S. He says, I mentioned your show on my blog. Uh, Gordon runs uh, an interesting blog called Broken Bulbs. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, and talking of show notes, I'll, I'll come on to something about that in a minute. Um, so many thanks, Gordon. Um, goes to show the, the beauty of the internet, the beauty of podcasting, is that you can reach people wherever they are. So listeners in Taiwan, that can't be bad, can it? Right, so... On to a comment from Nicole Simon, who also runs an extremely interesting podcast. Again, I'll put a link into the show notes on uh, Nicole's uh, blog and podcast. Um, She's a podcaster from Germany and a 
well worth visiting. Well worth visiting her site. Now, um, she says, uh, would love to see some more links, uh, like for Chrissy and for the music at the end of the show. Music at the end of the show is proving very popular, so I'm, I'm glad about that. Um, always nice to share your uh, musical tastes with others and, and get positive feedback. And... Um, yeah, certainly. I have been a little neglectful of show notes over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, I'm rectifying that, and you'll probably see show notes for show number, Small Biz Pod number 10 and 11 going up very shortly, and I do promise to keep on top of that so that the likes of Nicole can track down some of the websites for uh, the people who've been interviewed and also take a listen to the music that uh, I play at the end of the show. So, many thanks Nicole for that, and uh, do keep listening. Now, I've also had a couple of email comments too. Uh, the first of these from Andrew Lindsay, who writes I'm new to Small Biz Pod, but would like to send both my regards and congratulations on hosting a fantastic show. Uh, this is an invaluable and positive resource for the entrepreneur, and I'll be tuning in regularly from here on in. So, Andrew, uh, many thanks for that. One of the things that I certainly wanted Small Biz Pod to do when I set out was to inform and inspire anyone who was looking to set up in business or indeed who was already running their own business. So it's, it's really great to hear that you're finding it a, a valuable resource already, um, something which I'm sure it will increasingly become uh, over, over time the more interviews and, and topics that, that, that I'm able to cover. So that's great. And I know also, Andrew, that you're uh, on the, the verge of launching your own business very shortly. So good, lu- good luck with that. And uh, I look forward to hearing a little bit more about it once, it's, once it goes live. Now, um, I also had an email which appears quite straightforward um, from Des Daniels. Uh, he starts a rather long email uh, by saying, I've been listening to your podcast, Small Biz Pod number 10, and the comments regarding Skype. Um, Skype, for those of you who don't know, is the voice over internet uh, telephone provider. Uh, he goes on, I know of some businesses using it, even some local councils use it for their teleworkers, workers, but there is a cheaper alternative if you're not calling another Skype user. Uh, it's called 18866 and can be found at www.18866.co.uk. It's part, apparently, of Swiss Telecom. Now, um... I thought, oh, that's quite interesting. Um, let's have a look at that. And I did a bit of research, and um, one eight six six. The rates appear fine. Um, there've been some mixed coverage in in the press earlier in the year. The Guardian ran a piece on this particular um, cheap telephone system. It's very, very hard indeed to find out anything about who runs this. I'm not so sure that Swiss Tele- Telecom actually do run this, and indeed. I think it's a company called Finian. I'm not sure. <clears throat> they are based in Switzerland, but I'm not sure they're linked to Swiss Telecom. So um, I'd be very interested to hear from anyone who actually uses the service and who isn't uh, related in any way to promoting it. They they don't seem to do any online advertising. It seems all to be word of mouth. And uh, I'm, call me a cynical old curmudgeon, if you like, but uh, and I am quite cynical by nature, having worked in press offices for, for a very long time. But um, Des Daniels, to me, seemed like he, he might actually be uh, associated in some way with 18866. 
Um, he claimed he'd been in marketing but had now gone on to be a student again. And, you know, that's probably very unfair of me. But uh, anyone who, who does know a little bit more about 18866 or ho- who has experience of using them and really has absolutely nothing to do with the company, be very interested to hear from you because it is a a business that, that on the surface looks very good. But you are signing up to pay on a regular basis for the for the calls that you use using you know credit or debit card uh, to a company that really is very very obscure uh, very hard to find anything out about and um, causes a little bit of concern to me although uh, I may well be proved if you all ring in later that this is actually quite legit and uh, well worth uh, looking into so if that proves to be the case then I'll certainly uh, go into the the topic in a little bit more detail because I I genuinely think that again it's another opportunity for uh, small businesses uh, across the UK to save some money and uh, if uh, I can help you save some money so much the better. So interesting to see what uh, feedback we get on 18866. Okay, as I said earlier, uh, today's Small Biz Pod takes an in-depth look at female enterprise and the challenges and opportunities that face women looking to set up and run their own businesses in the UK today. So to talk us through some of these issues, I'm delighted to have on the show today Erica Watson, who's uh, Chief Executive of Prowess, a network of organisations and individuals who support the growth of women's business ownership. So, Erica, welcome to the show. Hello. Um, tell us a little bit more about Prowess. When was it set up, and, and what is its its purpose? Well, Prowess was launched in October 2002 by then Secretary of State um, for Trade and Industry, Patricia Hewitt. Um, our purpose is very much to increase the quantity and the quality of women starting and growing businesses in the UK. How have how's it been going since you since you you started up? Well, I mean, in terms of our overall outcome, which is to increase the number of women in business, the um, the percentage of business ownership that, that women own has has increased from twelve percent up to fifteen percent. So there's an indication that things are really beginning to move. Yes, yeah. I, I do feel that you know that that's obviously not just down to prowess but i'm sure we are part of that success story but there's still a long way to go yeah and i i think that long road uh, is to a certain extent highlighted in one of your uh, recent reports which emphasizes that that women remain a, a little underutilized when it comes to enterprise around the uk you you looked specifically at some of the uh, regions around the uk to see mm. Uh, what efforts were being made to encourage female entrepreneurship. Um, Tell us a little bit more about the the findings of that survey. Well, it found that most of the English regions are now very actively promoting women's enterprise and developing their own strategies. Several of them have got key individuals in place whose whose role it is to... um, you know, to, to focus on women, women's enterprise coordinators and um, action plans in place. So things are looking good, but it's early days. Mm-hmm. Research has found that where there is a policy focus on women's enterprise, that's beginning to translate into increased numbers of women in business, for example, in the East Midlands. Okay, fine. Um, and where women are still not having the, the impact or not, or not taking up the opportunity to, to, to launch their own businesses, what practically can be done in the regions to, to change this? 
where we've been able to see outstanding success in promoting women's enterprise is the US. Prowse also works with a number of European partners, but, um, and some of them are doing interesting things at a, a local or a regional level, but none of us have had the outstanding success that they've had in the US. Mm-hmm. And what they did there was they took a very, very strategic and policy-focused approach about um, 20 years ago, and they put a number of... Um, a number of strategies in place, which had three main strands to it. The first one was a, a National Women's Business Council, which advised the, the president as well as the, um, the you know the key policymakers mm-hmm. within the um, the government there. And that was made a permanent office. So whilst um, short-term political priorities may have changed, they haven't been able to get rid of that um, that that office. So it's, it's been a, a long-term. Um, approach, which has been really, really important. Okay. They also implemented laws to ensure that the business census, for example, was gender disaggregated, so that they really had very valuable market intelligence about women-owned businesses. And that's one of the major problems here in the UK, is we actually just don't know. Mm-hmm. Even the figure I gave you earlier about women's business ownership, it's based on um, a survey which has a reasonably low sample, so it's not hugely reliable. Mm-hmm. But the third element of the strategy in the US was to develop a national network of women's business centres. There are over 100 of those centres, and they complement mainstream approaches similar to our business links, but mm-hmm. they are centres which are women's business centres, and they seem to appeal to a whole different range of women who wouldn't necessarily go along to the mainstream business support agency. So those have been a huge success. Do you think then that in the UK there should be a, a specific office or department in the DTI that, or, or the SBS that looks specifically at women's enterprise issues and support? Well, we already have the, um, the Women's Enterprise Unit within the SBS, and that's made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And now the SBS has changed its focus slightly to influence across government, that unit is beginning to work with other government departments to make sure that this isn't just an, an issue that sits on one person's desk in one department, but that actually cuts across government because it's, um, that's where it needs to be. Yeah, okay. And of course, there's been an increasing focus in supporting female entrepreneurs by the uh, regional development agencies and various action plans brought into being uh, to encourage more women to start up. Um, have you, has this been a successful initiative? Has there been an apparent growth in this uh, as a result of these, these initiatives? Well, there appears to have been in the, in the regions that have been at the forefront of implementing these policies. Um, such as the South East and the East Midlands. So yes, mm-hmm. so they are beginning to take root, but it's early days. The RDAs have just taken over leadership for um, women's enterprise across government, and there, there's still a lot to do. But you know, we're very heartened by the enthusiasm and commitment that's beginning to um, come through from the RDAs to this this area. They certainly recognise, you know, that women are not a minority group. We are over half the population. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's just an absolutely huge opportunity. Yeah. So to that extent, I mean, is there a, is there a, a target for how many women-run businesses Prowess and others would like to see in Britain? I, I perhaps a, 
not a, not a sensible question, but um, no, no, it's, it's a very good question because there is. Oh, is there? All oh, right, okay. <laughs> yes, there is. The, the Chancellor of the Exchequer and the Secretary of State for Trade and Industry before Christmas um, mm-hmm. increased the target was eighteen percent of all businesses. Right, so it's kind of sensible, achievable target. Yeah. It's now gone up to twenty percent. So that actually means two hundred thousand new businesses. Um, by the end of 2006, I'm not sure we're going to make that target, but I think it's it's good to have an aim. Yeah, absolutely, um, definitely. You know, so it might it might slip into the year after that, but I do think it's achievable. Yeah, yeah. W- within that, though, I guess the the availability of uh, decent statistics on the number of women w- women entrepreneurs out there is is going to become increasingly vital, isn't it? If those if those targets are to be measured effectively. Yes, I mean, I mean, those targets will be based on the um, household survey, which is as good as we've got at the moment. Yeah. So um, that that's better than nothing, I guess. Okay. Now, one of the things that is quite often cited as a as a big challenge for female entrepreneurs is finance. Very often, more difficult apparently for uh, women to uh, get startup funding or, or borrow money or get an overdraft from their bank. This is all fine in but in reality don't you think that perhaps women shouldn't be treated as a special case when it when it comes to lending decisions when when banks are making decisions about whether or not to lend money to a a business venture they surely have to uh, judge that um, application or for 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 borrowing on the basis of the business itself on on previous credit history etc is there a case that that women should be treated differently by the banks and and others as to encourage them to start up well i think i think at the end of the day women's businesses do seem to be treated slightly differently and um, to their disadvantage the latest survey from the bank of england has shown that women are charged on average 1% more for business loans. Now, it's, it's, it's a complicated story. It's not, it's not a straightforward case of discrimination. It's, it's actually more about the kinds of businesses that women tend to start oh, up, right. okay. which are more in the new service sector, more often to be part, likely to be part-time businesses, mm-hmm. etc. And also the different aspirations that women go along um, expressing to the bank. Um, women are no less ambitious um, in their business aspirations, but sometimes they express it using different language, which might suggest that they're, they don't have such a long-term um, strategy as, as their, their male counterparts. So, you know, the, the, the playing field isn't even to start with. So there, there are things that need to be looked at, reviewed and reassessed. Okay. Now... Other than obviously finance, what do you think the, the the biggest challenges are facing female entrepreneurs today? Well, I think I think the biggest challenge is is, is that women are um, you know we're at the forefront of the new economy in terms of the type of businesses we set up. They're mm-hmm. more focused in the service sector. They're much more innovative, and women are more likely to set them up as as part of a broad portfolio of other activities that we're involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way the economy as a whole is going, but the status quo in terms of banks and business support have not yet caught up, which is why women are kind of suffering in the short term. So I don't think it's so much women that are facing a challenge. I think it's the status quo out there that are facing a challenge to really catch up and provide the level of support and services that women-owned businesses and an increasing number of male-owned businesses are um, you know, that, that they, they need. 
Okay, but also one would imagine that after years when perhaps it was frowned upon for women to start and run their own business, uh, there may also be an issue around actually changing the attitudes of, of women themselves and getting the message out there that that it's, it's fine and easy or, or easier to uh, start and run their own business. Is there a, is there a role for, for prowess and others out there in encouraging uh, women themselves to take a different attitude towards enterprise? Yeah, I mean, I think when women start a business or when they're looking to start a business, um, they do feel unusual. They're approaching a kind of infrastructure which isn't really for many women designed for them now we we can't generalize um too much with with women because a lot of women you know don't have a problem and don't feel at all unusual um but a large number of women do um there are a few key things involved in that women are much more likely to fear failure um and that's quite often you know that's that's not something innate with women it's it's that frankly because of the um there's the multiple responsibilities women are more likely to have and the lower overall income and and wealth that women are likely to have we very much like we very much often have more to lose so that's mm-hmm. kind of a rational economic position to be in yeah. but women are also much less likely to know other entrepreneurs and and that that is important because that's one of the key factors in encouraging you to set up a business so I think what we need to do is to promote women who are already successful business owners, but not just those who are really high flying and, you know, perhaps the huge successes, because that's quite often, quite often too far away mm-hmm. from reality of ordinary women who, um, you know, we're really trying to reach. So ordinary women, friends, neighbours, people in in the same town who are running businesses, we really need to. Blow, the, blow their trumpets and um, sh- show off their successes to other women as well. Okay, excellent. Thank you, Erica Watson from Prowess, for coming on the show today. Thanks, Alex. Britcaster.com. The cream of British broadcasting. don't drink milkshakes, I assure you. Now, don't forget to visit Britcaster.com. Uh, to check out the rest of the British podcasting scene. The the sheer variety and the community spirit there is just absolutely superb. So uh, if you're interested in podcasting, do check it out because there quite literally is something there for everybody. Now, um, thank you to Erica Watson from Prowess there. We will, after the news, be interviewing some uh, female entrepreneurs and uh, taking a listen to some of their experiences. And as Erica said, they're not uh, the... Uh, high-profile um, female entrepreneurs that perhaps we are used to seeing. They're, they're real women in the real world, uh, really making a go of their own businesses and very successfully too. So uh, hopefully equally as inspiring as um, Damonita Roddick in their own way. So that coming up shortly. But first, uh, let's take a look at some news items. The Office of Fair Trading has just released some research which shows that nearly a quarter of small and medium-sized enterprises across Britain believe that they are harmed by unfair practices such as cartel price fixing and collusion to set tender prices. Uh, Really quite disturbing in some ways. 
the research goes on to find that one in three SMEs say they are aware of anti-competitive activities in their industries, and one in five feel they've been victim of anti-competitive behaviour. Now, the OFT are launching a campaign to try and get small businesses and their owners to report anti-competitive practices. Um, at the moment, fewer than 9% would report a larger competitor trying to push them out of the market, and only 22% would report uh, some kind of price fixing uh, between competitors. Now, it's a serious issue, this one, and uh, I think it's good of the OFT to be addressing it. But whether or not, uh, in reality, they'll be able to encourage small businesses to whistleblow to all intents and purposes on larger competitors or, or other businesses in the same sector is debatable. Um, Sir John Vickers of the OFT is quoted as saying, practices such as price fixing and bid rigging harm the competitiveness of our economy. Um, SMEs have rights and obligations under competition law and can work more with the OFT to identify and stop anti-competitive behaviour. Well, let's hope it happens. Uh, I think there must be some kind of uh, watchdog, some kind of um, careful scrutiny of businesses that look like they are practising anti-competitively by um, the enforcement bodies as much as by other SMEs, but certainly an initiative that I think is worth supporting. In other government news this week, Trade and Industry Secretary Alan Johnson uh, announced a new multi-million pound government scheme to boost innovation, jobs and growth for small and medium-sized businesses in the UK. The scheme establishes what is what are called enterprise capital funds that will provide government matched funding for business angels and venture capitalists to help small and medium sized businesses bridge the equity gap. Uh, it's estimated that up to £200 million will be available via uh, the ECFs, uh, which are designed to be commercial funds. Further details are available from uh, the Small Business Services website, and I'll make sure that there's a link to those in the show notes. Now, talking of finance, uh, British Airways and American Express announced this week that they would be extending their partnership in the credit and corporate card market to offer a corporate card to the SME sector. Uh, a number of benefits, including the possibility of card members earning uh, up to 1.5 BA miles for every pound spent on the card, are highlighted, but the card's not due to come in until towards the end of this year. And uh, although I spoke to a spokesperson for Amex and BA, uh, there doesn't seem to be any clarity as yet on the most important aspect of any card, I guess, from a, a small business's point of view, and that is the, the rate that they are planning on charging. So uh, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But um, interesting that what has traditionally been a sector aimed at the mid-sized and corporate business is now opening up and offering something to SME customers as well. And finally, a, an announcement by the, the local government association, uh, which has introduced as of uh, Monday the 25th of July, so that's this coming Monday, a new information line aimed at helping traders who are unsure about new licensing laws. 
Uh, it's very often difficult to keep track of what licenses you need to uh, apply for and secure from local government associations or local authorities. So uh, certainly a, a, a new uh, number to check that you are complying in every aspect, whatever, however you're trading, um, is certainly helpful, I would think. And uh, the number is 020-7072-7447. Now, I mentioned that I'd be uh, talking to two successful young female entrepreneurs. Um, one is Tracy Heatley um, of Systemized Solutions, a business that advises uh, smaller businesses on uh, marketing and other business solutions. Um, Tracy's based in Rawtenstall in Lancashire. Um, and also I'll be talking to uh, Reba Begum, who runs a uh, Muslim marriage agency called the Muslim Marriage Agency Online. Um, she works from Bethnal Green in East London. And I talked to them both about some of the issues and challenges that they faced as uh, female entrepreneurs in the UK today. Tracy saw finance as one of the key issues. There was, there's all financial constraints, uh, I think, and it's sometimes difficult to, although there are grants available, there's grants available for certain sectors, and if you're a certain age group, if you're in a certain geographical region, if you're in a certain industry. Uh, so if you're setting a business up that's in a, a field that doesn't tick all the boxes for those grants, it can be difficult to find financial support. So I think finance is is key, um, as well as the emotional ups and downs that you go through, especially if you've got a family to support, and you know managing that work-life balance as well as getting the business off the ground as well can be quite challenging. It's having to manage the time so that you make sure you're still spending time, you know, with your children as well, because the last thing that you want is to have a successful business, but your children suffer because of that. Indeed, Reba Begum found uh, similar challenges uh, associated with uh, supporting the family as well as setting up her, her business. I mean, I had the idea, which was the main thing, and just um, using this idea and putting it into practice, that was the main challenge. And after my own research, I really needed to do um, a second step, which I um, contacted the local business advice and um, focused just for women. Where I joined and talked through the business advisor, and they actually gave me a very good guideline to use, um, for example, how to do the business plan and just focus step by step and get going. And that really did help me um, to overcome my challenge that was I was facing. I mean, I have to say I'm a mother, and it was really very difficult at that time um, to get everything together and um, expected. <laughs> Expectation was high, and it was too much to do at the same time. But gradually, with the support, I just um, overcome the channel challenges and set up the new business. Now, support is clearly an important element here for both Tracy and Reba and anyone setting up in business, um, family and community, and business advice official or unofficial, uh, are all extremely helpful. And both Tracy and Reba had some quite interesting things to say about the support that they both received in various different forms. And the main thing was the research and also support from my family and friends. And when I was doing research, I needed to talk to um, other networks um, within my community and to find um, if that was a valuable business and if it was marketable.
I got a very good response from the community that they needed a service um, which was very niche in the market. My family were quite supportive, but I've come across um, clients and other people that um, associates that I've got to know through the business that have had those doubts put in their minds, you know, from the off, whether it be their, their family, their, their partners, um, putting negative thoughts in their head, which then makes them back off a little bit. And I think when that happens, you've got to just surround yourself with people, like-minded people that are thinking the same, that are going to give a positive influence to you and, you know, steer away from those the, the people that are giving you those negative um, thoughts on your business and just go for it. Reba was certainly one of those who uh, found some initial negative reactions, both to her, her gender and uh, to her religion but um she eventually overcame those successfully yeah at the beginning i have to go when i first started um before i went to accountancy i did actually go to other small um, startup business advisors and when they actually looked at me as a muslim woman uh, wearing a headscarf and they didn't really see a woman in business so it wasn't much encouraged that they didn't give me much support so i did get some disappointment from advisors and where, for example, they'll say, you're a woman, you've got a family, do you think you've really got the time um, to spend? And do you think it's challenging, you have to work with um, mainly out there, do you think that's what you can do? Now I also asked Reba and Tracy about what were keys to success. Uh, Reba felt uh, keeping the pressure up, keeping the personal pressure up, uh, was important, but also um, networking, I think, was uh, uh, a secret of success for, for both Tracy and Reba. Um, Reba also undertook a, a new entre- entrepreneurship scholarship with the National Federation of Enterprise Agencies and, and won a grant, which also proved um, extremely useful to her. When the water is heating and it, it vibrates, so that's how it feels. So I feel um, pressure is needed in order to um, succeed. Yeah, I have to say that um, just last week um, I won the award, I won the grant that um, I've been in the program, also gave, gave me uh, extra support, um, and especially networking with other um, startup business. Um, and they also, we worked in groups and supported each other all the way through. Um, also getting professional advice from the university and lecturers at the time. I've been to networking events and walked in and been um, one of perhaps three women in a room full of 50 men, you know. Um, but even if it's that case, you know, it doesn't, you don't just have to network with women. Networking is key. And I think if you surround yourself by successful people, then you aspire to achieve more. So the more successful people that you surround yourself with and you're communicating with and you're getting to know, spending time with, the better it is for you personally. And that does reflect on your business too. So on that positive note, I think uh, it demonstrates that that women are increasingly turning to uh, running and setting up their own businesses. Uh, They're as entrepreneurial as men. Their numbers are increasing. Uh, They're still facing challenges, but with the work that both the Small Business Service uh, and groups like Prowess are doing, uh, uh, I'm sure we'll see uh, the numbers of female entrepreneurs in the UK increase in the not-too-distant future. Now, that takes me to the end of the show. But just before I go and introduce uh, my music selection, much anticipated, I'm sure, for the uh, end of the show, 
Uh, I'd like to mention a couple of quick things. Uh, firstly, a big thank you to everybody out there who nominated me for the podcast awards. Uh, Small Biz Pod has been selected as one of only five podcasts in the business category of the first annual podcast awards. Uh, I'm in great company. Uh, the show is there with for immediate release, which strictly between you and me, I think should uh, definitely win. So if you don't vote for me, uh, certainly vote for them. Um, and also uh, in business, which is Radio 4's uh, main business program, which is also podcast. And there's a couple of others there too, um, which are equally as good. So uh, worth checking out if you've not um, seen them. Uh, if you'd like to vote for me, please do. Uh, it would be fantastic if I were to win, but I think there are a more deserving, uh, particularly for immediate release, more deserving um, podcasts out there. Nevertheless, um, do what you can. And um, finally, I'd like to mention PodcastCon um, UK 2005. It's basically a conference or a convention for uh, all UK podcasters and anyone who listens to podcasts or anyone who wants to get involved in podcasts, as well as for um, the media and others who are interested in the subject. It takes place on the 17th of September at the Berners Hotel, which is just off Oxford Street in London. And I'll make sure to provide you all with uh, more details in up-and-coming shows. But visit Brickcaster.com for more details now. Right, that brings me on to the music selection for the show today. Uh, I guess you won't be surprised to hear that it is once again uh, Electromancer from where I've taken the track today. It's a Podsafe music. And uh, it's what I would call a piece of uh, relaxed tribal trance. I think that's how you describe it. Uh, it's uh, sometimes these genres are uh, get a little bit confusing, but th but that's how I'd like to to describe it anyway. And uh, it's by an artist um, called Antibody Music, and the track is called Ancient Spirits. Oh, 
Thank <laughs> you. 